0: Manchester United drop out of the top four after a nil-nil draw with Liverpool, which sees the Scousers go top of the league, but it's a day to at least be mildly content with. Four injuries in 40 minutes in the first half should have crippled United, but instead it was Liverpool who only had one shot on target in the whole game. Ole Gunnar Solskjaer's Reds were dominant and looked in control, and Old Trafford was rocking at 0-0. A club with an atmosphere of positivity, excitement and unity. An odd day, but one where... Oli admitted he was a fan of the Stone Roses after Oli's at the wheel echoed around the Stretford end and Jay stand once again. <laughs> it's great being uh, in charge of this club and team, of course. Uh, of course it is. And I'm a big Stone Roses fan anyway, so it just uh, goes around in your head sometimes. <laughs> but uh, I like the... This is the one when you walk out maybe even better. The mere fact that we and all other Manchester United fans are at least somewhat disappointed by that result against the league leaders when we had three injuries and pretty much played with 10 men for the second half, shows the impact of Ole Gunnar Solskjaer on this club, Jack.
1: The impact he's had is massive. And Liverpool, that game was a perfect example of why. Because all you had to do was look at and and hear the fans at Old Trafford throughout that game. Even when our backs were against the wall, um, Liverpool weren't really dominating us in terms of creating chances, but they clearly had the majority of the game. We were very disjointed because so many players being out injured and going off injured, which we'll talk about in a second, but the mood around Old Trafford never ever changed. There was never a point where the fans started getting agitated and started, you know, getting on the players' backs. There were no, there was never a point when you thought that the fans were about to turn on the players. And if that game, if that exact game had happened under Mourinho, you just know that the the atmosphere around Old Trafford would have been so 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 different. Yeah, and rightly so because Oli is completely transformed the the mood around the club and you know it's almost becoming a bit cliche now to talk about the way that he's improved the mood around the club because I think it's kind of taken away from everything else that's gone on and all the other good work that him and the players have put in but in games like that against Liverpool when our backs were really against the wall and things could have gone south very very quickly to see the way the fans react to what the team's trying to do is just amazing
0: yeah it was an incredible atmosphere we'll talk more about that in a second but Let's stray away from the moods since we've mentioned it so much recently, but the, the effort and performance levels from some of the players was fantastic. From some of these fringe players who have come into the side as either late replacements because of injuries before the match or late replacements within the first half and the first half an hour. They came in and put the effort in, did fantastically. Rashford played on with an ankle injury for 85 minutes against Liverpool. Pogba shifted role three or four times because of the various changes and it. he didn't he didn't manage to provide the the magic the the key goal the key assist but he was key defensively and key in in controlling that United side and stopping it from crumbling I think he made more those.
1: interceptions than, than anyone else on the pitch
0: yeah I but it, it was kind of his role to keep with McTominay and Pereira next to him to just keep that midfield relaxed and uh, about Pereira lost the ball a few times but that's kind of his nature and a huge effort, and it clearly meant a lot to him. Every He realised the chance he'd been given, because every tackle he celebrated with a fist pump. He went for it, he G'd the crowd up. And on Pogba, you saw Pogba go over to Pereira at one point and just give him a little pat on the back and say, just calm it down very slightly. Don't go too full in on this, and just relax yourself. And that was the role of Pogba and the impressiveness of, of Pereira.
1: I love Pereira's performance. I thought, like like you said, he, he lost the ball a few times and he wasn't amazing going forward, but no one on our, on our team was. It was more about the way he put himself about on the pitch it was just incredible. He was everywhere. And that the one that really stood out to me was when Henderson got the ball in tons of space down Liverpool's right. And the one time Liverpool got in behind short and Pereira tracks him about 50 or 60 yards down the pitch and blocks the cross coming in and celebrates it as if he's just scored the winning goal. And there was a couple of other times where we'd win a corner and you'd see Pereira celebrating. And it was just great to see him playing like that because we haven't seen yeah, Pereira great. be so involved in a game like that in so long. Even when he has played the few times he played under, under Mourinho, we never saw that kind of passion from him. We never saw we never saw him be that involved in a game mentally, I think, which is a big thing. Um, and it was nice to see Pogba kind of stepping up as a leader and trying to help him get through the game as well. I thought everyone adjusted so, so well. I mean, to keep Liverpool one of the best attacks in the in, in the Premier League without a shadow of a doubt to effectively zero clear-cut chances would have been a great effort, even with all all, all of our players, our full-strength team out. To do that with a midfield with only one regular starter is just credit to both the players and the coaching staff for the adjustments they made on the fly, dealing with the adversity that we had in the first half. Yeah. And really... I mean I think Liverpool had one shot on target all game which I think was a Sturridge 35 yarder
0: yeah I think they, I think they had one yeah one shot on target um, I think it was Sturridge in the 33rd minute or something they didn't have a shot on target in the second half when we had all of our injuries and we and we changed the whole thing but it wasn't just Pereira and and the other but you saw Alexis come on was fantastic McTominay um, yeah. replaced Matic he must have only known about that half a day ago a day ago Um And I saw, I was was talking, I was was at the game and on the tram on the way there, I was talking to my brother about how the criticism of McTominay is similar to what Fletcher received when he first broke through. And obviously, it's an easy comparison because they're both kind of tall, lanky, blonde Scottish (laughs) midfielders. So it kind of seems natural, but it doesn't stop there. And Solskjaer compared them after the game. So Alex Ferguson has compared them before. Um, And they are, the criticism that he receives is so unfair for a 22-year-old who has come through the academy. And he was fantastic. Look, Scott McTominay is not going to be Manchester United's first choice midfielder. I think we know that. I think deep down he he probably knows that. And I think Ole Gunnar Solskjaer knows that. But for him to come in and put that kind of performance in, without doing anything special, without some amazing forward passes, without being able to play through the lines, yes, his absence is, the absence of Matic was was notable. And of Herrera too. But McTominay put in a, a very, very solid performance um fantastic in the first half with all this chaos going on around him he broke up play multiple times he was key in in winning back possession and and shackling liverpool really
1: he managed to be one of the calmest players on the pitch for most of the game despite being 22 years old like you said thrown into the starting lineup probably half a day a day before and he never expected to to be starting this game and he came in and he he just did his job exactly how how he was supposed to like like you said He's never going to be the the most flashy player. He's never going to grab the headlines because that's just the kind of player he is. It's what Darren Fletcher was like when he was at United. But he's also the kind of player that the longer he stays at United and the more he puts in these kind of performances, will start to endear himself to the fans. Because if there's one thing that the United crowd appreciates, it is hard work and effort in their players. It's why Carlos Tevez, before he
0: drew moved... Himself. I was
1: going to use a different word, but moved to the other side of the, of the city... Um, you know, before that, that's why he was so loved at United because he is—he was that kind of player that was everywhere. And you saw the reaction that Alexis got yesterday as well when he was constantly closing Liverpool's back four down. And it's that kind of that kind of effort, that kind of player that actually do endear themselves to to the United fan base. And McTominay will do that the longer he stays in the team. But last yesterday, I think was probably the first time you've seen McTominay and thought he he can play. He he is. Not not that he's played badly before, but this was a different level to what to the games he's been involved in in the past. And when he has been thrown into big games before, he hasn't really quite lived up to it. He's been quite passive in the game, but he was far from passive against Liverpool. He was constantly breaking up their play. Anytime Wijnaldum or Henderson were trying to, to drive through midfield, he just put a stop to it. And he came in and, yes, Matic was, was missed on the ball. But defensively, which is primarily what McTominay was brought in to do, there wasn't really any difference between what what McTominay was doing and what Matic would have been doing.
0: It's worth noting that we're impressed by McTominay for not making a mistake and the same goes for for Pereira actually and that shows you the level that they're at but it doesn't mean we can't praise them after they do have a a very impressive showing against Liverpool um, in such a big game. And, And I mean, Victor Lindelof and Luke Shaw were both fantastically good and and that is becoming the norm in in the last few weeks Um, Luke Shaw kept Salah oddly quiet quiet to the extent that I was watching him thinking what's actually going on here Um, (laughs) and uh, they were they were so there was nothing there from Liverpool
1: no not at all there was they every time they got they came forward you thought "All right, now's going to be the time when they really show us why they're such a good such a good attacking team and it just never happened Every every time they came forward, they just looked like they had no idea. They were trying to put the ball wide out into the channels, but then Salah and Mane both were trying to just come inside all the time. It, it, they just didn't look like they had any firepower going forward at all. And Klopp spoke after the game about how, you know, they had really tough circumstances with Firmino going off, and uh, I think Graham Sunes mentioned it as well. But one player going off shouldn't derail your team that much. Especially when when you have players like Salah and Mane, who are supposedly two of the best wingers in the world, you know, coming down either the, side, that it shouldn't derail your team that much. The,
0: the even more ridiculous one was I was talking after the game, and my dad doesn't quite hasn't quite managed to hate Jurgen Klopp yet, and I think a lot of United fans had that problem in that in maybe the first season while he was at Liverpool, he wasn't that hateable, and yet. I've come to to really dislike him because of the the constant stream of excuses that comes out of him when his team underperforms. And I said to him as a joke, I said, look, he'll blame United's injuries now for Liverpool drawing that game and underperforming. And about half an hour later, I'm scrolling through Twitter and you see Jurgen Klopp says uh, their injuries disrupted our rhythm. Now, look, yes, the, the fact that we had so many injuries in the first half would have disrupted their rhythm. Sure. But they then had 50 minutes. Playing against a team whose striker was hobbling on an injured ankle, to then go and score a goal, and failed to do so. So I mean, it, it was pathetic.
1: And it wasn't. And it wasn't like a like a failed to do so in the way that Tottenham failed to score against yeah. us. Where De Gea was making 15 saves. It was. It there was
0: no there was no contribution there from any of Liverpool's main forwards. They have to take off their main man Salah, bring him off. Obviously, Firmino had gone off earlier. Yes, that's a bit of a blow. But I mean, we hardly had any of our players. If you go through our injury list, Matic, Herrera, Mata, Lingard, Martial, that's five key, key players, that's five starters for Manchester United and one injury to Firmino and three injuries to us. I've never seen an opposition manager blame the other team's injuries for them not performing. It's. It, I mean, it was just a, a farcical comment, but one that was oddly predictable.
1: It, it was a ridiculous comment from Klopp and he... I, I, to be fair, I actually liked Klopp quite a lot before he came to Liverpool. Um, I think a lot of us did. And if I'm being brutally honest. I actually w- I wanted him to replace um, to replace Moyes when Moyes left. But I have grown to dislike him a lot because of all the excuses that he puts in. Also because of the way Liverpool fans hype up every single word that comes out <laughs> of his mouth. But that, that's an, that's another yeah. another thing. But no, the some of the excuses that he makes, I'm just like I don't understand where where he's even got the idea from. Like you said, to try and blame the other team not being at full strength for your team not performing well. It's just ridiculous. It's like, it's like saying, oh, well, you know, we're in the FA Cup against Yeovil this weekend. Sorry, we're, not, we're just not going not to turn up. And yeah. it's ridiculous. And especially when you're a, a title, title chasing side, supposedly the best side in England, the title is on the line. We're in February. You're top of the league and you have an opportunity to go four points clear of City, against your biggest rivals in their own backyard when they have five of their starters out. And you're saying that it's their fault for, for not putting out a full-strength team. I mean, I just don't understand any of it. Some of the excuses that he comes up with are crazy. And to be fair, I would actually put quite a lot of Liverpool's bad performance on him because I don't think... I understood playing a more conservative midfield without Keita, um from the start because, you know, we were obviously the form side. And I think at the start of the game... To be fair to Liverpool, I think at the start of the game, a draw, they would have taken that. would have been a decent result for them. So I understood why, that, why he put that team out. But I don't really understand why A, which he does a lot, takes so long to make substitutions. He often leads into 75, 80 minutes before he makes any kind of sub. And there was just a lot of things in the game I think Klopp has to answer for. And for all his shouting and bellowing and histrionics on the sideline... It's pretty rare he actually makes a difference during the game with his substitutions.
0: Well, i t- I tell you what was weird is that it, you didn't come away from that feeling tense. No, not at all. The, the final It's not like the final whistle blew and there was this, this kind of sudden sigh of relief around Old Trafford. It was just like everyone carried on, carried on chanting, carried on singing, carried on clapping the team. It was just like we haven't been threatened for an hour. We, we, literally, we, ha- we haven't faced a single shot that De Gea has had to save for an hour. And it, it it didn't feel like a tough game. And that's a weird thing. I think, weirdly, I think if Liverpool had been good and we'd got that draw, there would have been more celebration for United at the end of the game. But as it was, it it felt oddly like a missed opportunity. And that's a weird thing. With the injuries, for a team to suffer four injuries in the first half, make all three substitutions, having been missing two key players in, in Marshall and Matic before the game as well, and to come out and boss the second half like the United side did, that is a, a testament to the the, the confidence, uh, the resoluteness and the character of the side. And yet at the same time, Liverpool definitely had an off day or well, not necessarily an off day. Liverpool were bad. And so it does feel like a bit of a missed opportunity. But at the same time, a draw against the league leaders with five first team injuries that happened within 24 hours or within the game itself is, I mean... Is, is a fantastic result. And so there's there's a lot of conflicting emotions there.
1: Yeah, I felt really strange at the end of the game. Honestly, I had I just couldn't figure out what to feel because part of me was like, and I, I said this as soon as um, we made our third change, or if really as soon as we made our second change, Offer if you offer me a draw right now, I'd take it 100%. And a draw at that point was a great result for us because of the circumstances that you know we were in. It was horrendous and a draw was a great result. But at the same time, you're kind of thinking, Liverpool played so badly here. Like we we should have, maybe not should have, but it feels like a missed opportunity when Liverpool played that badly to to not come out of it with a win. Um, so yeah, it was. A, I've never really felt like that at the end of such a big game. Normally, normally you come out of it and you have a clear sense of like, all right, we've done really well or we've done really badly here from this game. But I've never come out of it feeling like that. It was just it, it was just strange. I didn't really know. Whether to be happy, sad, or content, or whatever.
0: Yeah, it felt like a a testimonial for about half an hour, with players coming on, then being subbed off, and then sub after sub, and then one of their players coming off as well. And you you really wouldn't have been surprised to see Solsha whip off a bib and and come on, and Mike Feeling to come on and dab about in the middle of the park for a while. But it was strange, and and to be honest, it, it's a real test. And a, and the thing it shows me is. It's a, it's, another, it's a different hurdle each week for Solskjaer, Phelan and, and McKenna, Carrick and, and Mark Dempsey that they, they've overcome. The first few games in late December showed the attacking quality and, and the change of mood. Then Spurs, the win at Wembley, showed how Solskjaer and his team can master a big, a, a pretty big game and win the tactical battle and, and showed their tactical nous. Arsenal showed that he could do that again with a different lineup PSG showed that there's still stuff to learn Chelsea showed that he could boss an away game come back from defeat or or come down from that that huge mood after the PSG loss and Liverpool showed that he could deal with with sudden adversity and so it's it's not as if it's all been plain sailing we are seeing him jump over these different hurdles week after week some of them have been the same yes Some of them may be different, but we're not just seeing one side of Oli Gunnar Solskjaer and the rest of his coaching staff. We are seeing them them face different challenges and do better. It was a real test and Oli got them to come out in passion second half and play properly. At times, we had 10 men behind the ball, but we tried and tried and we did come close. Players like Alexis and Pereira storming into tackles, Pogba diving across, and and Pogba had a chance, Smalling had a chance, with a goal disallowed offside. It, it was a real test and one that they they passed with flying colours, I think. And a late winner just would have been bedlam.
1: Oh yeah, and I mean in the in the pub I was watching when uh, when had put the ball in his own net, it was bedlam for about five seconds until everyone realised what was going on. <laughs> so I can only imagine what it would have been like in the stadium if that had uh, if that had have counted. But yeah, it, it was. I, I mean, I'm. I come out of the game, and I've been thinking about it now as well. I think I am. I am happy with the way it turned out because I. I get the feeling it could have been so much worse, but you. You do also just have that. Not. I guess not regret, but it's that feeling of what if. I guess is probably the best way to describe it, because you're just wondering. Yeah. You know what if Smalling could have just. You know, got an extra yard ahead for the ball in from Lukaku towards the end of the game, or. You know, what if, what if that uh, massive dis- uh like the, the offside goal, would have counted? There's just so many things like that little moments where you just think we could have done so many things differently. But at the end of the day, I think you'd have to you'd have to take nil-nil from the position we were in after half an hour, 40 minutes. And I think my overwhelming feeling towards the game is just pride that the players played so well because the vast majority of them, in fact, pretty much every single player, down to a man was brilliant, the way they applied themselves. And I think we can't do this episode without giving a massive shout-out to, well, the entire back four, to be fair, but specifically Luke Luke Shaw. Yeah. That was, I think, his best game of the season. And we all know how well he started the season. It was definitely his best game under Solskjaer. He's gone a little bit under the radar recently. His his performances have been fine, but they haven't haven't been great. They haven't been terrible. He's just not really been talked about very much. Um, But he brought himself there.
0: I think he's not offering as much in an attacking sense as people expected is a change yes. and I think he's still been he's been really solid defensively recently and that's kind of a flip from before. We're used to praising yeah. him for his attacking contribution and, and criticising him for his defensive woes at the time and that's changed. And I think people are a bit surprised by that and we haven't quite adjusted.
1: Yeah, and and that's I think why he hasn't really been talked about much, because he's not really doing much going forward and he's not doing anything wrong in defence, so then people don't really have much to say about him. Um, but he was brilliant yesterday the way he, he dealt with Mo Salah was brilliant and just all game he never looked like making a mistake and even though we weren't really getting forward very much throughout the game into attacking areas he was really important at least in just giving us some time as we came out from the back him and Pogba did well down the left flank because Liverpool were trying to press them very high and they did well on a, a number of occasions with Alexis as well uh, to kind of get out of some of those press, yeah. some of those presses and at least just relieve the pressure for a little bit but like I said, the whole back four was very, very good. It was yet another commanding performance by Viktor Lindelof, who yeah. just keeps getting better every every week. Uh, and he he looks like a, a mainstay in our defence now for the next few years. Even Chris Smalling had a good game as well. Never, they never looked like a, a mistake in, in anyone in our back yeah. four. And for a back four that's <laughs> half made up of Smalling and Young, that's a big a achievement. The,
0: I think the thing with the effort we saw from Sanchez, Pereira, whoever, it feels as if... There is a genuine connection there between United's players and and United support, and I I don't think I think even in the, in the good spells under Mourinho and Van Gaal and Moyes I I really don't think we had that. There was always that sense that United's fans and players were completely separate entities, and I think we they're starting to merge back together into one force now, a little bit, and obviously it may it may only be temporary. If Obviously, if we lose a few games on the bounce, it could dissipate entirely. But we are seeing some appreciation from the fans for the effort and the, and the players are getting their reward from the fans for the effort they're putting in. And they're, they're being spurred on by what was an amazing Old Trafford atmosphere. Now, I've been, to, I've been lucky enough to go to some big games at Old Trafford. I was, my first game was um, the 7-1 against Roma in the Champions League. Which is obviously, um, I'm, if I hadn't seen such riches, I could live for being poor. The quote applies no, no more aptly to, to that game. And then I've, I was at the Real Madrid game in 2013. Uh, I've been to loads of Liverpool games, but I've never heard Old Trafford like that. It was I was sat in the Sir Bobby Charlton stand, which is opposite the Sir Alex Ferguson stand, one of the ones on the side. Um, in fact, I'll play the the clip of the of of the end of the game now. The United players that just walked down the tunnel and the atmosphere at Old Trafford has been unreal. That song, of course, kind of enveloping the players here. Um, the sun escaping the attention, no clouds, and you can see we're sat in the Sir Bobby Charlton stands. We had the J-standers to our right, dancing in the sun. The is to our left, dancing in the sun. All singing together. Amazing atmosphere and um, an okay result. Two points taken off Liverpool. And When they're chasing the title, That'll do at least, especially after three injuries, which is ridiculous in this first half. And Stretford end to, to my left, J stand to, her, to my right, barced in the afternoon sun and the weather helped weirdly, but I, I haven't seen that at Old Trafford for a long time. Not just the noise, but it was the fact that it was in unison the people in the post sat down the prawn sandwich brigade clapping along to oles at the wheel and getting involved in it. a cauldron of noise building into this fantastic sweep across the pitch and you can imagine for a united team who have faced four injuries in the first half they must have it must have um, given them some motivation and usually it's just the core in the stretford end or or the, the men and women in the uh, doing fantastically in jay standing united road but it it was different and it felt I think Gary Neville said on commentary that it felt like a game from the 90s and it, it really did feel like this huge wall of noise coming from all sides of the stadium.
1: Yeah, even even just watching on TV, you could hear the whole game The Old Trafford just never stopped singing. And most of the time at Old Trafford, if we're being honest, a lot of the atmosphere comes in response to what's going on going on in the game. You know, the fans are kind of reactive. It, it's dependent yeah. on how we're doing on the pitch, which is why the atmosphere got so toxic in a lot of games under Mourinho. But this was completely different. Regardless of what was happening on the pitch, the volume levels were up at, at, at as high as they could be. Every single corner of the, of the ground was getting involved. And, you know, and the Liverpool fans were awful enough to ruin the great tribute to Eric Harrison at, at the start of the game. And then we didn't hear a peep from them for, the, for 90 minutes because Old Trafford just completely drowned them out from every single side of the ground. It, it was one of the... I mean, I, I said last week that PSG was one of the best atmospheres I could remember for a long time at Old Trafford. And this trumped it even, even more because the way that the fans just got up regardless, regardless of what was going on in the game. Yeah. And I, you know it was coming out the second half when I really noticed it because it would have been very easy for the fans to just kind of become very nervous and almost just like kind of go into their shell and, and just hope that we could hang on. But the way they responded when we came out for the second half was amazing. And I think that probably played a big part in may- giving the players the boost that they needed. Yeah. And you saw the way the players were responding. We talked about Pereira earlier, you know, he he's responding to the crowd, the crowd are responding to him. It was great. And you can you can tell that the relationship between the players and the fans is so, so much better than it was a few months ago. Yeah,
0: well, Pereira won a corner, Um, just in front of the Stretford end. And as he walked over to pick up the ball, just threw his arms up, telling the the fans to give even more and even more. And that's the thing. There's that genuine connection there. And it was the fact that it was everyone, not just a certain section of of the people who go to the away game, starting the songs and and no one else really joining in. It it was a fantastic game. And as you say, it was because it it wasn't responding. And, And usually after half time, you get that lull of about five or 10 minutes where if the team doesn't do anything, the crowd never wakes up. And I think we had that against PSG, actually. Yeah. And instead, it was, I think within about a minute, you've got this complete in unison chant of volleys at the wheel. And that that's different to, to stuff we've heard before. And yeah, you're right about the Liverpool fans. I've been to a lot of United-Liverpool games at Old Trafford in the last six or seven years. And there's been times when they've been admittedly brilliant, but they were so quiet. It was really odd. They'd occasionally pipe up, but but for once, it was it was the united home fans. That's the impressive ones. And, and you mentioned about the, the minutes of applause for Eric Harrison. It's, the thing with Eric Harrison is he's not just a, a club legend. He is a he was a great football man. And there was a nice tweet from Craig Norwood. who said something along the lines of what you did, saying, nice and available fans to show disrespect during the minutes, minutes of applause to a United club legend and then follow it with 92 minutes of silence at Old Trafford. Yeah. Which is very true. And then after the game, they were posting these videos on, on Twitter of um, them singing once all the United fans had left. It was like, well well, great, you didn't really support your team, though, did you? You kind of just wanted a fancy video at the end of it with flares in an empty Old Trafford. So so <laughs> that was interesting. But Liverpool is a team as well, it wasn't just the fans. The thing, the thing I thought, I came out of it and I said, um, City would have battered us with those circumstances. City would have picked us apart in the middle of... Oh,
1: 100%. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. In
0: the middle of a couple of injuries, a couple of substitutions, when Matt had gone off, after Herrera had you would have seen Aguero scoring or Sterling scoring, they would have picked us apart and then gone and destroyed us. And obviously, you didn't see that from Liverpool.
1: Yeah, it was a perfect example of the difference, I think, between Liverpool and City at the moment. Liverpool somehow, and I, I don't mean to, to sound kind of bitter as I say this, but they, for me, they, they haven't impressed with their performances that much this season. Despite winning so many, and it sounds weird coming from a team that's top of the league and has only lost once all season, but they had... I think Liverpool's best performances last season have been better than their best performances this season. They haven't looked as dominant in games as they did last year. And I think we saw that today. If City were there today, they would have absolutely destroyed us in that second half. They would have battered us because we were there for the taking. But Liverpool's move... I think the the thing that separates Liverpool, at least in games like this, from, from City is the midfield because Liverpool just don't have that midfielder who's able to to make something happen on their own. You know, you look at that midfield of Henderson, vinaldum and Fabinho, they all get about the pitch. They do their job really, really well. I thought Fabinho uh, had a very good game, but they're not really going to make something happen for them going forward. And that was what they were missing against us because the front three were being shut down by our by our defence. And you could just see that from midfield, they were lacking a bit of creativity. They were lacking someone who could come forward and make something happen on their own. Um, but just as to to finish this little bit for me, uh, just seen a great a great tweet from Anna M U F C um as a great way to sum up the Liverpool fans and the Liverpool football club from yesterday. So it's, so they run a, ru- ruin a tribute to Eric Harrison, Soonest cried nonsense on live TV about how Liverpool dominated. Owen wanted Liverpool to kick Rashford and Klopp blames United injuries ruin his own team's ribbon there's a reason no one likes the Scouts <laughs>
0: <laughs> I'm fairly sure Anna's a listener of the podcast so I mean thank you for that contribution that unintended contribution Anna but yeah I mean winds, long grass dry pitch wet pitch the opposition's injuries Jürgen Klopp's excuse book gets bigger and bigger um, by Christmas it'll be one of those little tiny books that's a, a great Christmas stocking filler or something after they, of course, after <laughs> we hope they haven't won the league. Um, final quick mention, uh, five academy players on the pitch at one point. Rush with McTominay, Lingard, Pereira, Pobba all on at one point. Went down to four, obviously, after Lingard got injured. But, I mean, on the day where we paid tribute to Eric Harrison, it was a, an appropriate tribute. And now I think with the injuries, I would... Uh, predict that James Garner, who's a midfielder, and Tahit Chong, who's a a winger who's already made his debut, will will come in for the game on Wednesday against Crystal Palace, which we'll talk about in just a second. But uh, Manchester United's under-18s drew 2-2 with Blackburn Rovers on Saturday morning. Always an eventful game at that level. Before this tie, the last six games between them had seen one of the side's Score four goals in every single game. Uh, Mason Greenwood's injured at the moment, so Mipo Ojibeko made his under 18 debut He's an exciting Northern Irish striker who's been playing at under 16s all season. He's still very young, but it took him only 20 minutes to get his first. United under-18s goal. Ethan Laird had given United the lead. Uh, He was making his return from injury. The England youth fullback has been out for a while and he was fantastic on his comeback. His attacking contributions from from that position are massive. Jacob Carney, a goalkeeper, also made a rare appearance for the under-18s and did very well. Blackburn got two back in the second half as United tied, but there were definitely positives from that 2-2 draw. The under-19s have been drawn against FC Midgisland, uh, the team who Marcus Rashford made his name against in the last 16 of the UEFA Youth League. If the Reds win, they'll play one of Spurs or Porto in the quarterfinal. In low news this week, goalkeepers Dean Henderson and Kieran O'Hara both played for Sheffield United and Macclesfield Town, respectively. Joel Pereira was an unused sub for his new Belgian side. Defender Regan Paul started for Newport in a 2-0 loss against MK Dons. Ethan Hamilton played for Rochdale again. Matty Willock made his debut for Crawley Town in a 1-1 draw against Kieran O'Hara's Macclesfield. Zach Durnley was in action for Paul's goals' this Oldham Athletic. Wilson, Twanze, Borthwick, Jackson Mitchell, Fossi Mensa uh, Whelan, and Tom Sang weren't involved for their sides this weekend. Now in women's football news. Manchester United saw off Sheffield United with ease a week ago today. Goals came from Lauren James, Ella Toon, Molly Green and Katie Zellum in a 4-0 win. Now, Jack Palace on Wednesday. um, Rashford will be out. Mata, Matic, Lingard will probably out. Herrera too and maybe Martial. So uh, it it could be very tough. And and we we can't lie about this. United season could fall apart very quickly with these injuries. Um, There is a very genuine concern about that. But at the same time, the Liverpool game showed that we can cope and it's a good chance for players like Garner and Trong to come into the squad. McTominay will have earned himself some credit against Liverpool and will probably start. Perhaps we'll even get a glimpse of, of the mysterious Fred at some point and Popper will be key. But I'll talk about Popper in a second. But yeah, it'll be a tough game.
1: Yeah, definitely. It's never never an easy place to go and play. You know, It's always a hostile atmosphere. They don't you know, they, the the Selhurst Park pitch is also extremely small as well. Uh, and it stops you from being able to play the way you want to. I think it's, it's an important game for us, I think, to kind of get back to winning ways. It was such a high after the Chelsea game. And then Liverpool game wasn't really a come down. But it's going to be important for us to to make sure we can continue the momentum, just like we did at, coming, coming back from the PSG game to, to play so well with Chelsea. And also to try and figure out how we're going to go forward with the injuries that we have. You know, it looks like all of the people that went off in the Liverpool game will at least be missing for this game, if not a few more. So it's important that we figure out whether we need to change the system, who's going to come in for who and how we're going to play moving forwards. So I think it's a kind of it's, it's a we said this a few weeks ago about uh, I can't remember what game it was now. Um, about trap games, kind of in the middle of of a bunch of big big matches all around it, and this is a this is one of them. But we need to just make sure we're staying on on form and make sure that we're concentrating the whole week because we have a lot to work on to try and figure out how we're going to adjust to all the injuries.
0: Yeah, and uh, two slip ups against Palace and Southampton and United are, are out of the top four races. There's, there's no doubt about that. So United yeah. need to win these games. Um, but the, the thing I was going to say about Pobbe is Pob will be key in this period uh i am slightly concerned that he could also get injured in this busy spell we saw it i think i'm trying to think what period it was last season when Pogba was overplayed and he he did get a muscle injury and was out for some time he he came back early from I think the think it was
1: Cup. Uh, wasn't it wasn't it november cuz he missed the derby didn't he i think last season Yeah, he got possibly. injured just before the derby
0: possibly yeah cause Or he, was that a
1: suspension i might have been a suspension actually
0: but it, there was definitely a point last season when he was overplayed and he got injured, and it was it was no yeah. surprise about it. We I remember talking about it on this podcast. But he came back from the World Cup early. Yes, he got an enforced rest because Marino hated him. But he he has played a lot. He's played almost every game. The, the only positive about his red card against Pierce is he will have a break when the rest of yeah. the Reds go to go to Paris for the Champions League game but Carlos Jimenez tweeted in to say something similar saying I think the intensity of each game and the lack of the break is, is catching up on the players I don't think it will stop there either with the World Cup players getting very tired Pogba looking fatigued, can we keep the momentum while losing our best players well I, I think we can yes and I think it's a great opportunity for certain players like Garner Chong but also players like McTominay, Pereira Alexis Lukaku even but Lukaku was, was pretty poor against Liverpool again Um but then we, we've we got Southampton yeah. at the weekend, another game United should be winning at home. We're yet to slip up in one of these games under Solskjaer, really. We kind of did against Burnley, but not quite. It's hard to predict the Southampton game without without knowing the the outcome or performance of the Palace game. But it, it, we, we do need to win these games, but it, we can't judge. We can't really judge his managerial credentials on the next two games.
1: No, no I mean... I think what we can judge is how quickly he's able to adapt which we've already seen to be fair in the Liverpool game and adapting kind of on the fly against uh against teams like Ch- uh Tottenham and Arsenal but yeah I think we need to we need to just keep this momentum going like I said we've been doing so well the confidence is so high but this is the kind of game that can easily derail that and despite how well we've been playing you know we are still behind Arsenal for fourth now and we we have to keep winning these games to get top four. I think we we all kind of got lulled into this false sense of like oh we're definitely going to get top four now. Look how well we're playing. But actually, it's not a given at all. And we have to keep winning these games. We can't afford any slip ups against kind of smaller teams. Um, we we need to keep keep it rolling. So, in response to um to the comment from Twitter, I I am a little bit concerned about potential muscle injuries. I mean. I, th- I think it does often come down to some bad luck as well as being overworked. Um, but hopefully getting a little bit of rest, like you said, Pogba will be getting some rest against PSG. Uh, we'll probably be seeing some rotation in midfield and up front now, kind of enforced rotation. But at least it'll give some different players a chance to come on and prove why why they should be starting ahead of the likes of Rashford, Martial, Lingard when they come back. Yeah,
0: I don't think there's any doubt that the, the change in style of play and the change in training methods will of course these injuries. I mean, yes, there is an element of bad luck in it, but United got three injuries to hamstrings in Herrera, Mata, and uh, Lingard. Rashford was a, an impact injury, an ankle injury, but the other three were all hamstring injuries. And I actually um, I bumped into Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, which was, uh, I mean, he was a, a warm and a beautiful man who was who was so nice and uh, chatted to us for about two or three minutes to me, my brother, and my dad, and we were talking about the injuries, and he said, "Yeah, I've I've worked them too hard." And didn't really seem to be hiding that fact. He seemed to recognise it straight away, and I mean, he would have worked them too hard without a pre-season in which to to make these players adjust to that new style. It's impossible that they they weren't going to get injuries, but do you then sacrifice your training methods just because there's a risk they might get injured. It's it's a really hard decision to make. So it's a difficult one for him.
1: Yeah, of course, it's one of the most difficult decisions you have as a manager because he wants to come in he wants to maximize all the time that he can get on the training ground with everyone like you said he's still trying to implement his own his own style his own methods but i think especially when you see a game like liverpool where you know three different players go down with pretty much the same injury i think you have to you have to kind of take take your foot off the gas a little bit at least for the next few weeks until we get a few more players back in the squad
0: yeah now, that's all we have time for on Series 4, Episode 29 of the Manchester United Weekly Podcast. Thank you for listening, as always. And remember to leave us a review on iTunes if you are enjoying the show. Find us on Twitter for more from your hosts with Jack over at,
1: at UTD Tates, T A I T.
0: And me at Harry Robinson64. The podcast itself is at UTD Weekly Pod. That's P O D at the end there. Palace on Wednesday. And we'll be back in seven days' time, by which point we will also have played Southampton. Cheers for listening. Have a fantastic week. Up the Reds. Goodbye.